0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a fifteen hundred dollars first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Looking ahead to potential fantasy playoff implications from Week Twelve on this episode of Fantasy Football in Fifteen. Hello, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving from us on Fantasy Football in 15 at The Athletic. It is Thursday, November 26th, at least as this episode debuts. We're all over the map. I'm Michael Beller. I'm joined by Derek Van Riper. We are all over the map on this episode because we're going to let you behind the curtain here a little bit. We are publishing this episode on Thanksgiving Day. Happy Thanksgiving, Thursday, November 26th. We're recording this episode on Tuesday, November 24th there's a chance you're listening to this on Friday November 27th so we're just going to give a blanket happy Thanksgiving we hope you're having a great weekend thanks for taking some time to sit here and listen to us yap about football I think that covers it DVR how you doing
2: doing really well yeah I hope people are having a good and, and safe Thanksgiving weekend whenever they get a chance to listen to this episode
1: Yeah, so we are, as I said, this is Tuesday that we're recording this, so we're just thinking ahead to the games that are on Sunday. Obviously, the three games on Thursday have already happened. By time, uh, this is up, so you already know what's going on in those games. You know what you might draw from those games for your fantasy playoffs, which typically start in Week 14. We are going to try to project some of the more useful information that we might get on Sunday, and in one case, Monday, and think about what that could mean for the fantasy football playoffs. So we're going to start – with the Buffalo Bills backfield, somewhere where we just haven't had any real answers all season. Bills are playing one of the more anticipated games from a fantasy perspective of the weekend against the Chargers, and we would love, Derek, for one of these guys, doesn't matter who it is, I guess unless you only have one, between Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, to pull away and own this backfield for the rest of the season. I just don't think it's going to happen, and I think we maybe get another step in that direction in this game with the Chargers. Yeah, when you look at the...
2: Season as a whole, I think Zach Moss has the best game by a running back in the Buffalo Mm -hmm. backfield. That was week eight against New England. He's had double-digit fantasy points in three of his last four, coming off a pre-bye week clunker, though, against Arizona. So it seems like Zach Moss is sort of on his way to becoming the lead back, but I think for him to reach a level where we really trust him Going into the fantasy playoffs, he needs to take on a larger share of the touches. And uh, the main reason he needs more touches is because Josh Allen can take away valuable opportunities Mm -hmm. around the goal line. That's been the problem all along. So I'm just curious to see what the usage ends up being. The schedule is not great down the stretch. It's Chargers coming up this weekend, followed by San Francisco in Week 13, Pittsburgh in Week 14, Denver in Week 15, and New England In week 16 Uh, at least a few games in there though that you know with the Steelers and probably the Patriots I think you could see the opposing offense putting up enough points to keep things interesting and to kind of max out the Bills offensive potential so that bodes well for the running game as well I think they have to be in some shootouts for you to feel good about using either one of Moss or Devin Singletary
1: going forward. I think that's absolutely true, and I think you need to be really concerned if you are invested in Devin Singletary. The last two games, the Bills have scored 44 and 30 points. They put up the 44 on Seattle in a 44-34 win. The 30 came against Arizona in that 32-30 loss. We all remember the DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Hail Mary play. So that is a great win and another near great win. That game was in Arizona. They put up 74 combined points, so they didn't suffer at all offensively. And in those games, Devin Singletary had a combined six carries for 16 yards and four catches for 28 yards. And so the fact that they could be that successful with Devin Singletary essentially having no role in the offense has to have you very concerned. For me, this is almost going to be Zach Moss or nothing unless Zach Moss suffers an injury and then we totally recalibrate the way we feel about Devin Singletary going forward. We'll get another step uh, or in that direction uh, in some sort of way uh, when this team takes on the Chargers on Sunday Uh, next one up I want to talk about another backfield the Indianapolis Colts this is one that we have not been able to pin down at all all season at least the bills we've been able to pin down it just hasn't given us uh, any answers we like but we know what the answers have been for the most part this season the Colts We just don't have any idea where this backfield is going. Last week, I think a lot of us thought it was finally going to be safe to play Naeem Hines. What happens? Hines goes back to that complimentary role, and it's Jonathan Taylor who gets 22 carries, 4 targets, and is the clear lead back for the Colts. This week, they are taking on the Titans, a huge game. In the AFC South, both teams enter this game at 7-3. Winner has the inside track for the AFC South championship. And this was the game a couple of weeks ago that led us down the Naheem Hines road, the one that made us feel like Naim Hines was safe. So I don't think we feel safe about that going into this game. What I would take away from this, Derek, if we get one more game where Jonathan Taylor is handling, you know, 70% of the backfield work compared to a combined 30% for Jordan Wilkins, and Naeem Hines, then I would feel as comfortable as possible that it's Jonathan Taylor's backfield in that 70-30 way for the rest of the season. If it goes the other direction, then it's you know, all bets are off for this backfield.
2: I just wonder if we can look at what Naeem Hines did to the Titans a couple of weeks ago in Week 10, 12 for 70 on the ground, plus 5 for 45 as a pass catcher, and sort of project that sort of success to Jonathan Taylor. I think possession is nine-tenths of the law, as it pertains to closer roles in baseball and even opportunities for running backs in fantasy football, it might be fleeting, but I think the Colts can actually give Taylor the bulk of the work, and it's justified. So the confidence level's still really low because it's been on again, off again, but we've seen Jonathan Taylor top 15 fantasy points on a handful of occasions. It's not like this game he had against the Packers came out of nowhere. It's been it's been there kind of since the beginning of the season. I feel like I trust Jonathan Taylor too much because I watched him so much at the <laughs> university of Bates Wisconsin, two of us. right? Like, the, <laughs> like that's probably where my optimism comes from, but how can they look at their backs and come away with the conclusion other than Jonathan Taylor being the best option they have to run the ball? Even if he's their best option, it's not going to be 90% of the backfield workload. That's just not how they're built. Their entire offense is all about mixing and matching personnel and spreading the ball around. But if we can get 65% of the touches, that's really good for Jonathan Taylor with the schedule they have coming up. Um, So I think he's probably fringe top 20 for me this week. I don't think the game script gets out of hand in a way where Hines is out there constantly uh, so I don't think it's that kind of game where it's all passing down situations or anything like that. And know the Colts have been playing some very weird scripts the last couple of weeks. It shouldn't play like that this week. So I'm beginning to lock in on Jonathan Taylor for the stretch run. I think he can be a difference maker in these final
1: five fantasy games. I would have loved to have seen him be a little bit more efficient against the Packers. He was clearly the lead back, clearly the back of choice, and he was effective. But twenty-two carries for 90 yards against a, a team that really hasn't been able to stop the run this season. I would have loved to see him, you know, get up to four and a half, four point seven yards per carry, pop a big run or two, and we just didn't see that. He was churning out, you know, four to seven yard carries pretty easily, but It just didn't have that big play, and I would have loved to have seen that. I would feel a little bit better about him going into this week if he would have been able to do that. But again, this is the week where it does feel like one more strike in his favor, one more 65-35 compared with the other two, 70-30 compared with the other two, and effectiveness along with that volume, even if it is just another 22 for 90. If they go back to the well in that way, then I feel comfortable that this is Jonathan Taylor's backfield for the remainder of the season. All right, let's talk about some defense here. Not something we get into too often, but Monday night pits the Seattle Seahawks against the Philadelphia Eagles, and this Seahawks defense has quietly been more effective over recent weeks. They got Jamal Adams back from being injured. They got Carlos Dunlap from the Bengals. They got him fully worked into the defense, and suddenly this isn't the doormat it was for the first two months of the season. It's still not you know, going to be this world-beating defense, I don't think, but it might be a very good fantasy defense if they can continue to create some havoc in the defensive or in the uh, in the offense's backfield and we know how much a matchup drives defensive value. Our offense controls the game in football, be it good or bad. I mean, when we look to a defense for fantasy purposes, the first thing that I look for is one with a good matchup, regardless of how good the defense is. And this is what Seattle's schedule looks like for the next couple of weeks. As I said, they've got Philadelphia on Monday Night Football this week. Then they are back-to-back home games against the Giants and the Jets. Then Week 15, Fantasy Football semifinals in most leagues. They're at Washington. Those are four excellent matchups for this defense. I want to get on them right now, if I can, because you might be picking up a top three fantasy defense for the remainder of the year. They get the Rams in week 16. So maybe you would want to go another way in your fantasy championship should you get there. But I think the Seahawks defense, if we see another good game from them against Philly on Monday night, it could be a big factor in getting you there considering their matchups, the first two rounds of the playoffs.
2: Yeah. Shout out to Ed Mallion, who joins us for Brit picks on the Sunday Uh, live streams that we do the athletic fantasy cheat sheet be sure to check those out if you're not already watching those he was on this a week ago sunday going into week 10 he mentioned seattle as a defense that he liked the rest of the way and i think he got a few chuckles along the way but the more you look at the schedule and you think about the way this team is rounding into form i mean the eagles i i think of the eagles as a team that not only allows a few sacks but also has had carson wentz turning the ball over like crazy i mean that is A golden matchup just coming up later this week, but I love the multi-week view. I think we're far enough into the season now where you can, with a little bit more confidence, look ahead and get a sense of what is really to come. I think people do this at the very beginning of the season. They try to predict who has the easiest schedule in the fantasy playoffs, and it's a fool's errand when the season Mm -hmm. begins. But at this point, you know enough about the teams to know that Seattle has a very good schedule the rest of the way, and you want to take advantage of it. It should be widely available in season-long formats and maybe a set-and-forget defense the rest of the way.
1: Remarkable. What a turnaround that they have made in stream this season. Uh, One of the biggest stories, I think, from Week 12 that we are going to be looking at is the adjustments that are made to Taysom Hill and the adjustments that Taysom Hill and Sean Payton make make. To those adjustments, we all know the game that Taysom Hill had uh, in his first start with the Saints pulling off a 24-9 victory over the Falcons. Taysom Hill running for two touchdowns, throwing for 233 yards on just 23 attempts, completing 18 of those 23 attempts. It wasn't as clean of a passing game as those numbers suggest, but the numbers are the numbers. He's got a tougher test this week going to Denver, taking on the Broncos. You've got a very uh, good head coach there, defensive-minded head coach, and Vic Fangio, a guy who now has a full game tape to work with in a week to prepare his defense for Taysom Hill. I think he's going to see something very different, and I think that this week combined with last week, Derek, is really going to give us the idea of what sort of fantasy quarterback Taysom Hill is for the last couple of weeks of the fantasy regular season and the fantasy playoffs.
2: Yeah, I think the thing that really messes us up is even if Hill comes out in week 12 and is relatively quiet, we're still going to be excited about another look at the Falcons defense for him in week 13 since he just picked them apart last week. I mean, we've talked about Hill a lot the last few days. The key here is that his rushing floor in terms of yardage each and every week is about 40 yards. Four fantasy points right there. Probably a half TD sort of projection, as I've said before. That's seven fantasy points, the projection. Even if he's only throwing it 20 times every week, and he's getting six yards per attempt, 120 yards through the air with likely one TD projected. He's already a viable bottom-end startable quarterback. He leapfrogs the bottom six to eight quarterbacks on your list pretty much every week, and they don't have any matchups coming up down the stretch that are so tough that you'd completely abandon him, right? They don't have a top three or top five defense coming up. After Denver, it's the Falcons, like I mentioned, the Eagles, the Chiefs. That could be a possible shootout where the passing attempts go up a lot. Uh, And then if he's still starting, when we get the Fantasy Championship Week in Week 16, he's home against the Vikings. That's a great spot for Taysom Hill. Yes, it is. I never thought we'd be looking at Taysom Hill as someone we might want to play with fantasy championships on the line, but it's entirely possible that if you've been mixing and matching at quarterback and you lost Joe Burrow or whatever the path was, you're probably going to be in a position to at least think about playing him in your fantasy championship just because of the rushing upside, assuming he's healthy and he keeps the job here down the stretch. But I just, I'm so wrong about Taysom Hill. <laughs> I just think we will learn a lot more about his true baseline this week than we learned in the best possible matchup for a quarterback that he had against the Falcons in
1: Week 11. Something else I'll be keeping my eye on in this game against Denver is the usage for Alvin Kamara in the passing game. One target, zero catches in Taysom Hill's first start. He went into it a little bit banged up with the foot. The usage of Latavius Murray in that game suggests that the foot was a little bit more of a problem than Kamara let on. So hopefully we get back to the usual six, seven, eight targets for Alvin Kamara in this game against Denver. Something else to keep an eye on. That's going to do it for us here on Fantasy Football in 15. If you are listening to this on Thanksgiving, know that we have no new episode on Friday. We're going to take the day off, enjoy the weekend, and get ready for all the fun Week 12 action. If you are listening to this on Thursday or Friday, know that we have a Black Friday deal that kicks off on Friday. Go to theathletic.com slash in 15 You can get yourself a subscription to The Athletic for just $1 a month. For DVR, I am Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15 we will be back with you next week. Until then, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening all season. Happy Thanksgiving Have a great, safe weekend and enjoy all of the Week 12 action.